0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the month of Ba'una, and we read in the Gospel reading the story of when the Lord Jesus Christ healed a man who was blind and mute, and then the Pharisees came, and they accused him, and they said that he is casting out demons by the power of the demons. Of course, the Pharisees rejected the authority of Christ, rejected who he was, rejected the power, the miracles, everything that he did, and they refused to believe that anything he did or said was authentic because they were jealous of him and did not want the people to go after him. So they accused him of casting out demons by the power of Satan himself. They said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And so even though the Lord was doing a good work, and yet the people around him blamed him and accused him. And so I want to speak a little bit about the idea of blaming God and how oftentimes we find ourselves in a position of blaming God because he is not doing for us the thing that we want, and that maybe the reason why we blame goes deeper than what we think. In this case, the Pharisees are blaming God. They're blaming Christ because they're jealous of him. It is not because of what he does is wrong, but because they are jealous, and we find this actually many places um, in the scripture. Um, in, in Mark chapter 3, after he had cast out demons. Um, it says, but when his own people heard about this, they went and laid hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Right? Again, they're trying to blame him. They're trying to portray him as a crazy man, um, not someone who can truly perform miracles or cast out demons, um, but they judge him. Um, also in John chapter 9, it says, we know this man is a sinner. This is after the story of the Lord healing the man born blind. And he is speaking to the Pharisees when they are questioning him about who is it that healed you and how is it that you were blind and that you see. And when they were speaking about Christ, they said about him, we know that he is a sinner. We know that he is to be condemned. We know that he breaks the Sabbath. We know that he does all these things. So instead of submitting themselves to him or to try to learn from him, they are blaming him. Um, Also from the high priests, they said about him, we found this fellow perverting the nation as though that what he is doing is undermining the, the entire nation of Israel, the law of God, um, the, the, the foundation and the basis on which the whole nation is built. This man, uh, Jesus, is perverting the nation. Um, and we see this also in some other characters or figures, not necessarily the Lord Jesus Christ himself, this idea of blaming God. For instance, in the parable of the talents, the servant who received the one talent, and he went and he buried it on the ground, When the master returned from his trip and he spoke to the servant, the servant said, uh, it says that he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. What is the servant saying to the master? He's saying, you do not deserve the profit. You do not deserve the interest. You do not deserve the gain. Why is it that I did nothing with the talent you gave me? It's because you do not deserve it, because it does not belong to you. You reap what you have not sown. You give me the talent and then you ask me to work, and then you expect that I'm going to give you back everything that you have given to me. And again, it is blaming, saying you do not deserve what it is my effort, what is the work that I have given. Um, also in the parable of the prodigal son, uh, it says uh, that the older son, whenever the younger son returned after he had repented and came back to the house of his father, the older son, he's blaming the father, uh, saying, how is it that you can accept your younger son so easily to come back again to you? Um, he says, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Meaning you slaughtered the fatted calf. You held a party and a celebration for when your younger son, who, who, who squandered all of your possessions, um, returned. But with me, you've never given me anything. You've never offered me anything. Again, it's a blaming. He's blaming God here. Of course, the father in this parable represents God. Um, Adam as well, in the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve fell into sin, And the Lord is rebuking Adam for what he has done. uh, Adam said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And even though he is blaming the woman, Eve, here, but indirectly he is also blaming God. He's saying, the woman you gave me, the person you, you attached me to, the person you made for me, she is the one who caused me to fall and caused me to sin. So we see all throughout the scripture many examples of people who are blaming God. And we have to ask ourselves, if God indeed is perfect, and he makes no mistake, and he does nothing wrong, then if we are blaming him, then the fault is our own. There is something inside of us that is wrong. There is maybe a wrong perception. There's a wrong understanding. There's a wrong desire, right? Why is it that we blame God? The first is... We might have a wrong perception of God and his will. We don't understand how the will of God works. We don't understand that the will of God is perfect. And we don't understand also that we have free will. Like I have been given by God the ability to make choices on my own. God has not chosen for me. How is it that I should behave and act? God tells me the truth. He tells me his desire, his will. He tells me what is good. But in the end, he leaves it up to me to decide. So we cannot say that God made us to do anything. God is the one who leaves us the free will. When Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't because God made them to sin. It was because they chose to sin. And there was nothing else that could have happened other than that, because that is what they chose. And God would not have overridden their choice. Sometimes we we question and we say, why does not God um, prevent evil from happening? Right? Because if God were to prevent evil from happening, then he would override the free will choices of all of us who choose evil all the time, unfortunately. So on the one hand, we might blame God by saying, God, you're, not, you're you're restricting me. You're not giving me my freedom. But then on the other hand, when God gives us our freedom and we make a mess of things, then we blame him for the outcome. So in the end, is it right to blame God or is it to blame ourselves? Um, we might also have a wrong perception by saying, God waits for me to sin to punish me. Like we see God as uh, a punisher. That's all he does is he is looking for things to punish. He waits for us to make a mistake and he's quick to jump and pounce and punish, right? And we blame him for this. Maybe we we ignore all of the mercy that he gives. We ignore all of his long suffering. We ignore all of the warnings. You know, when we read in the Old Testament about the way that he deals with the people of Israel, uh, the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament are like a representation of the human soul and the way that god deals with israel is like the way that god deals with each of us as individuals as the human soul and so israel was continually worshipping idols for years and years and generations and generations and all throughout this god was giving them warnings and god was sending them prophets and he was telling them do not continue in this or else you're going to you're going to reap the consequences of your sin and your rebellion against me but they continued they continued to do the, to do so So in the end, whenever they were punished and they were cast out and and went into captivity, they could not blame God for it. Actually, he gave them very, very advanced notice about what is it that would happen, but they chose to ignore him. Also, we might say, God wants to control me and limit my freedom. Maybe we don't like the commandments of God. We feel like his way is restrictive and the things that truly would make me happy in my life are out of bounds. The things that I know would bring me joy and comfort and satisfaction and fulfillment, God has said those things are forbidden for you. It is not allowed for you to have those things. And again, we might blame him because we think we know better than him. We think we understand what is better than him. You know, God is the creator. He is the manufacturer of us. He's the one who made us. And he knows what is best for us. He knows what are the things that will actually bring us like abiding joy versus maybe just temporary happiness, but long-term destruction. And so when God puts limits for us, he does so not because he wants to limit our our enjoyment of life, but because he wants us to truly enjoy it, because he wants us to to have long-term benefit and long-term joy. But maybe we blame him because we don't see that or we don't understand that. Um, We also blame God because we are not able to take responsibility for our actions. If I made a poor choice and uh, that brought consequences that I was not expecting, I cannot blame God for those consequences. I cannot say, God, you are the one who brought these things to me. After, after all, again, I had a free will to choose. Maybe I made a hasty decision. Maybe I made a decision without thinking or without getting counsel. Maybe I, maybe I made a decision that was in direct contravention to God's will or God's commandments that was sin at the time when I made the decision. And all of these things brought consequences. And now I'm having to live with those consequences that have come. But I cannot blame God for this. I'm the one who chose, right? I'm the one who had free will to choose. Maybe I blame God because I have self-pity and a sense of entitlement. I pity my life. I pity myself. I pity the situation I'm in. I I'm, I'm pity the, 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 the things that bring me pain and sadness in my life and I feel like I'm entitled to better. I feel like I deserve better, right? And, and sometimes when we get into our mind, this idea of we deserve, we deserve better, then we're willing to do anything to try to attain what we believe to be better. And we blame God for not being good. He is not good because if he were good, then he would have given me good things. But because my life is filled with whatever it is that is bothering me, then we see that maybe God is not good at all. Um, We blame God because we have knowledge about God, but we never taste him. Meaning we know things about him. We know things about his characteristics. We know what it says about him in the scripture, but we have not really tasted what it means to have a real relationship with God. You know, someone who has a very close, imagine like a person you have very close and intimate relationship with and the joy that you get from that relationship and how you feel a sense of closeness with that person. Imagine if you've never had that experience with them, but all you know is facts about their life, about who they are, like their name, their height, their favorite color, um, information, information about them right? But you never had a real experience with them. You never really had any friendship with them, right? Your relationship to them would be very distant, very superficial. It would be based on knowledge of their, of their character or their person or their history, but it would not be based on intimate knowledge or what it would mean to have a relationship. And so those of us who maybe have not had a very close relationship with God, or maybe because we have not sought one out, who do not feel the closeness of God, then it is easy for us to blame him because we question his goodness. We say, who, do I really know who he is? I just know facts and information, things that I've read about him or things I have been told. But what is it that I really know of him? But if you have a very, very close friend, one that you know cares for you very much, and then they do something to you that maybe you don't understand or feels, feels bad, doesn't you don't like it, Maybe you will question it. What is it that they have done? Why are they doing this? But at the same time, you have a lifetime of goodwill toward this person because of your intimacy and closeness and friendship with them to where you will not immediately hate them for what it is that they've done. You'll question, maybe there's a reason why they're doing what they are doing. Maybe there's a good reason. You know, someone who um, is, is struggling with let's say drug addiction and their friend comes and he has a very serious conversation with them about it and maybe even causes offense to them because of what he is saying. But that offense is coming from a place of love and maybe they can accept it from this person because of the goodwill that has been built up between them over the years. Maybe we blame God because we get an impression of him from other people, a wrong impression other people who grumble and complain about God in their life and 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 how they believe that God has neglected them or abandoned them or not given them what they deserve maybe we hear these things and over time it becomes our own mantra like I myself begin to feel or think the same things about God or maybe we have limited knowledge we really don't know him at all and we don't know the way that he works for instance if a person believes that the way that God operates is that he should be giving us every desire of our heart giving us all the money we want, all the health we want, all the relationships we want, everything we want, and this is what we imagine and believe God to be, then when we don't receive those things, who is it that we are going to blame? We're going to blame him because we don't understand who he is. What is it that he has promised? And he said that the thing that he offers us is greater than all those things, and it, and he, he offers it to us eternally. In heaven, he he offers us eternal fulfillment and satisfaction in heaven. But that doesn't mean that we will have that in this moment in the way that our flesh desires. So again, if we don't understand what is it that God is offering us, maybe we will blame him. Um, we also will blame him because we believe that we are wise in our own eyes, meaning I believe I know better for myself. I believe that I have clear clarity and perspective on my life, on my future, on the things that will bring me happiness and joy more than him. And so when I identify the thing that I want, I seek after it. And if I do not receive it, then of course, who is to blame? It is God to blame because he is the one who refused for me to have this. Doesn't he realize how much I want this or how much this is going to make me happy? Again, it is a failure, not of God, but it is a failure of us. It is a failure of our limited perception and and our lack of wisdom. Also, maybe we have different goals. God's goal is our eternal salvation god's goal is spiritual renewal and spiritual life that is his goal his goal is not to make us financially wealthy his goal is not to give us everything in this world that we think is going to make us happy his goal is our salvation that is the primary goal and everything builds for that goal so if my goal is to be a ceo of a company and that's the only thing i care about and then i find that it doesn't happen and i blame god for it well that was never god's goal you know does it mean that that cannot be the will of God sure it can be it can be the will of God supporting the first thing which is your salvation but anything that is a detriment to our salvation God will not give it so again do we blame God for something he never promised he never promised to give us everything we desired in this life he promised to bring us the salvation that we need what problems does blaming God lead us to if we are always blaming God if I blame God, I don't feel his love because I see him as someone who is at fault. You know, the Pharisees never saw the love of Christ, even though Christ did love them and Christ did want their salvation. They never saw his love because they only blamed him. They only attacked him. They only saw him as uh, a thorn in their side, as a source of, uh, of, of, of anger to them, not love. They didn't understand any of his actions, and they didn't understand that the crucifixion was actually for them as well in order for their own sins to be forgiven. So if I spend my life blaming God, then I will not see the good things that God gives to me. I will not perceive them. I will, I will see only as God is the one who is stingy and keeps me away from the things that I really want and he never gave. And so I will miss out on every other blessing <clears throat> that God wants me to have because I will ignore them. I will not perceive them. I will not see them. Also, if I blame God, I can't trust him to do good for me. If I, if I see him as blameworthy for all the things that have happened in the past so far, then I have no trust in him for what is to come in the future. How am I going to have hope in the future? How am I going to have trust that my future is going to be good if God is against me, if I perceive him that way, if I perceive that he is against me and that he is worthy of blame for all that has come already, then I will have no different um, expectation for the future. He is going to be, you know, he's going to equally disappoint me in my own view. Um, So I will not be able to trust him. Also, if I am blaming God, then I will definitely not be able to accept being rebuked by him. Because God rebukes us. It says in Proverbs that the father rebukes the son that he loves. You know, why is it that a father rebukes his son? It's because he wants him to be better. It's because he wants to keep him from danger. It's because he wants him to grow and be and be improved. And God is the same. Maybe when he rebukes us for our sin, he rebukes us because he wants us to, to be better. But if I do not trust in God because I blame him all the time, then there is no way I will accept from him such rebuke. I will not see it as the rebuke of a loving father who wants his son to be um, to be better. I will see it as another Uh, negligent act by a God who doesn't love me and then finally if I blame God I will always be worried and cannot be comforted by him right like if if God does promise comfort he doesn't promise that everything is going to turn out the way we want but he does promise promise his presence and his guidance and his support and his comfort and his encouragement in the midst of the trials of life but only those people who trust in his ways can experience said comfort. There is no way. If, I, if I'm if I always blaming God for who he is and what he's done and what he's allowed, then I will not be able to be comforted by him. I will not receive the comfort from him. I will I, he, he cannot be a source of comfort for me while I am always uh, blaming him. So we see many examples in the scripture about people who blame God. And maybe if we look at our own lives, we can find things that we blame God for as well things that we wish turned out differently in our lives that have not turned out uh, in a way that we like. And maybe instead of accepting this and, ex- and instead of seeing as this is you know a, an important lesson for us or something that God wants us to experience, he's allowed, instead we see that, it is the, 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 that God is to be blamed. Or maybe it is because of a decision that I chose, that I made, that led me to where I am, but instead we blame God for it. But instead, if we turn to him and we really truly seek to have faith and to instead of blaming him to see him as a source of good to see him as a source of, of, of giving of himself to us he wants what is actually truly the best thing for us but maybe that doesn't look like what we expect it doesn't look like success in this life necessarily it looks like success in the, in the afterlife success in the eternal life and even if there has to be some pain that we experience now it is for the sake of the eternal joy which God wants us to have. And if we reframe the way we think about him and what his goals are and what he wants for us, then we can find even in the midst of the trials and storms in life that God is present and God is still loving and God is encouraging and God is supporting and God is comforting and consoling and God is bringing us comfort even in the midst of suffering, though the suffering is not removed. But we can see God and and enjoy his presence just as Job did, who said at the end of, of his book, He said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. I see your presence. And Job never blamed God for anything that happened to him. He accepted everything from the hand of God. And by the end of the book, he he perceived God and knew him in in a way far more intimate than he ever did before. And so this is one of the reasons maybe that God allows us to go through these trials. So may God grant us to trust in his ways, not to blame him, and to have faith about what God does in our life. And glory be to God forever. Amen.